Holy crap. A new introduction to the podcast. But for real, though, the rest of it will come after this. I just want to thank you guys. Um, all the five-star ratings that we're getting on all the podcast apps is awesome. And I appreciate it when I hear people telling me that someone else told them about the podcast. So you guys rock. Uh, listen to the commercials or skip by them. It's cool. And your episode's on its way. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. We are back with the next episode in the multi-part series. No, that that I was going for the super dorky like uh, nerd at the library voice, but it didn't really work that well. Like the church lady. That's what I'm looking for. So <laughs> I got a question for you. Are we in the verge of World War III? Uh, we're getting there. That's for damn sure. So, But you know what? Hey, that's more money for the uh, military-industrial complex here. Well, and that's the thing I don't understand. Like, I, I guess, I don't know, whatever. We're not going to get into it today, but it's just everything is leaning towards, like, multiple fronts of war. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Stage is set. I mean, you know, you got the uh, superpowers are all involved, were involved. So, I don't know, there's a lot pointing to it. We're in the verge of World War III, but I thought Trump was going to be the one to usher that in. How many wars did he have under his uh, administration? Yeah, how many bad how many bad pullouts did he have? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's had a ton of bad pullouts in his life. Hey! <laughs> oh, dang. Hey, that was good. Drum roll. Crash. That was good, but. Not as bad as that one pullout. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Afghanistan pullout where it seems all tied together. So about fifty got... about fifty years ago, Biden should have pulled out. We wouldn't have had the Hunter problem. <laughs> oh, should have went back a couple of generations on that. Yeah, oh, I think we'd be all. But <clears throat> that's a whole another uh, can of worms here. I see that we some. Regular civilian Cessna aircraft was scrambled over Biden's Delaware home by the U.S. fighter jets. Can you, can you imagine? You're just not paying attention. You accidentally fly <laughs> over some fucking president's house and all, you got U.S. fighter jets on both your wings. Like, get the fuck out of this airspace. <laughs> the, the presidential airspace. Yeah. All of a sudden you got to wipe your pants. Yeah. You and your kid just out for a nice, you know, flyover in Delaware. Right. <laughs> 
I feel like Delaware's. I feel like Delaware's so small that if one if the president lives there, like all of Delaware just has to be restricted airspace. Yeah, no kidding. I don't know. He's been on a lovely beach vacation, so while well, all this shit's going on, so he's been to the beach quite a bit this year. I think he's uh, ranked in one of the top ten presidents uh, as far as vacation time. So maybe he needs it. All that stress. Well, to be fair. Um, he doesn't look like he would last in an actual work type environment for very long without needing a break. Looks <laughs> looks slightly frail and like the stress might take him down. It looks like weekend at Bernie's. Put some does glasses look, on him. It and, does look a lot like weekend at Bernie's. I don't know. What, what, what do you make of all this? Uh, I don't know if this is AI shit or whatnot, but I've seen a lot of like posts where people are comparing and saying that, oh, there's a lot of imposters out there as far as uh, celebrities and government leaders, and they're, you know, pointing to, oh, look, this ear is different than, you know, the this picture of this ear. Um, so the, the ear picture that you're specifically referring to, I started to look into, and what it is is it's an inverted photo. So it's actually the other ear. Yeah. So it's it it looks like it's his left ear compared to his left ear, but it's a photo that's inverted and it's actually his right ear compared to his left ear. Yeah. And then so it's it's just a hoax. It's just an internet hoax. Um, what do I think about the AI type stuff and all of these imposters? Um, I think that we are forecasting something that's going to become a reality, but I don't think it's a reality yet. I think that it will um in the future we will have manufactured celebrities. We may have manufactured um, business people, manufactured politicians, where they're never actually a real person. They're a conglomerate of multiple people with a personality and a, I guess, persona, you know, physical and online persona that's built by, you know, artificial intelligence. But I don't think we're there yet. Well, realistically. Kind of like a Max Headroom. Remember that guy? No, I do not remember that. Tell me about that. Oh, that's the 80s. uh icon where basically they make this like computer generated dude max headroom if you ever uh, google that and you know he's like a personality but he's not a real person uh, you know i think they generated with a real person in the background because the obviously ai wasn't around back then but it's uh you'll have to look it up yeah i mean i know um probably five years ago maybe a young girl all of a sudden started popping up on all these very, very viral YouTube videos about her life. And it was like her own diary. And it was, I can't remember the exact story, but it was basically an online diary about her life. And it was, she was having some really hard times and it was really, it was connecting with a lot of people and it blew up and became viral. And, and when, when a bunch of, you know, internet dorks got to the bottom of it, it was all manufactured by a marketing agency, by a publicity agency. Um, so, you know, that's going to happen for sure. You know, have you seen these, uh, have you seen these streaming farms? Uh, no. So I saw a video of a streaming farm this morning. I bet it was, I don't know, 10,000 phones all set up in, uh, basically like a grid pattern, like a grid format on a, on a, on a stand, right. So that you can just walk by and press whatever you want to press on it. And, um, they use these streaming farms to artificially inflate streaming numbers on songs, streaming numbers on videos, um, artificially inflate likes on photos, artificially. It's, it's all basically manufactured, um, well, uh, manufactured time, I guess, basically, if you have 10,000 phones that all listen to a song five times, you know, that's 50,000, uh, listens or 50,000 downloads or 50,000 YouTube views or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call. And if you have that happen to a post within the first or a video within the first day or two days, and you're able to trick the algorithm into thinking that this is the next viral thing, then all of a sudden it becomes the next viral thing. You know, Jeez. that's uh. so you can, um, they're going to start marketing that so you can pay for likes too. Oh, not start. We're way behind that. Oh, people are already paying for oh, likes. Yeah. People are paying for like, I mean, so it, this has been happening for a hundred years. You, you, you know, that like authors will buy thousands of copies of their own book to get on the bestseller lists the first week to oh. then, to then inflate numbers so that 
more people think that there's a, it's called, um, oh fuck. It's called social proof. I believe it's called social proof. So, um, it's one of the manipulated angles of marketing. And when there's social proof, it means that if other people are doing it, then it must be good. Right. Um, so if a book makes it on the bestseller list in the first two weeks, it must be a really good book, right? Well, if it's a really good book, I should read it. And then it, and then it creates its own snowball effect. Yeah. Oh, I suppose. No, being in that publishing industry for, I actually never heard of that. Oh yeah. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's super common, but it's, it's common enough. Well, well, here we go. Market for likes. Pay for likes, pay for blowjobs, pay for people to clean your house. Really, you can just pay for anything, you know? <laughs> um, all right, let's get into the uh let's get into the topic. Now, to kind of recap what we talked about last week, just a real quick highlight where the idea for this all came well, I guess you don't need to know where the idea came from, but what the idea here is is learning to um think for yourself. And learning to realize when you are doing something, buying something, following something, um, picking something, living a lifestyle, whatever it is, to realize when you are doing that because it is what other people expect of you or it is what the talking heads say you should do versus whether you're doing it for yourself. And we started with fashion because that's kind of where this whole thing, and when I say fashion, I talked about it last week. Like you might think like fashion, like fashionista, like, like, you know, Dior and all these other Chanel and stuff like that. But there's fashion quote unquote fashion trends in every single uh, marketable group in the, in the world, you know, just dressing down and wearing gray sweatpants is now a fashion trend. So it's, it doesn't really matter. It's, it, it happens to everybody. So we started with fashion. We talked about how to, how to realize what you're doing and, and what you are um, thinking when you are making choices and how to realize and then correct that. We talked about the same thing on social media, how to make sure that you are being your true self and living your most uh, authentic self on social media so that you're not creating some sort of a false personality that then is becomes this fake personality that you have to live up to in real life. And then we're going to get into today um, your career choices. And the career choices is an interesting one because if you think about how much time you spend in your career, well, how much time the average person spends in their career. I know there's a lot of people that don't really spend that much time in their career, but um, the average time, like this is a big, big portion of your living life, you know, from the time. Yeah. If you're like me from the time you're 14 until the time you're, you know, you probably get close to death, you're working and career choices sometimes are something that you actually choose. Sometimes there's something that comes from pressure from family, pressure from society. Sometimes there's something that just becomes so financially lucrative that you have trouble escaping. Um, But there's a lot of people that are spending a lot of times on career choices that they're not really even interested in. And it doesn't mean it's not okay, but it means you can try to start to fix that. And the psychology behind um, choosing a career that is not true to yourself comes from a lot of different angles. Sometimes it's external expectations that could be family, peers, society, wife, um, stuff like that. And they're steering you towards something that m- makes them feel like you're successful. This, this especially happens with parents, right? They're steering you towards a career choice that a lot of times they wish they would have went into or they're steering you towards something that they know you can make a lot of money doing, even if it's not something, even if it's something you're going to wake up and fucking hate every day, they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about the social acceptance, the financial reward, the prestige that comes with having a son who is a doctor, a lawyer, having a, having a daughter who is a congresswoman, you know, this type of shit. Um, Another thing that happens is the fear of failure. Uh, The fear of failure can deter people from pursuing their true career aspirations. They might choose safer, more conventional path, even if it doesn't align with their personal interests, just to minimize the risk of failure. And 
I know that I have been guilty of that one many times in my life. And one thing we can't ignore is as a, as a income earner that is responsible for the majority of your family's livelihood and your family's safety and their ability to eat and stay in a house and their health insurance, you are going to make some sacrifices. And those sacrifices may be doing some things that you aren't that interested in. But I know what I've used to kind of help mitigate that as my kids are growing up is the side hustle, right? You know, me and Martin are the kings of the side hustle. Yeah. And I understand that. It's like, yeah, being obviously a single dad, you know, it's basically you don't have a parachute. So without a parachute, it falls in that fear of failure. But, you know, you have to play the long game. And I think with, um, you know, being, I hate to say, I mean, being close to retirement, you know, I start looking at my long game as like you start using your side hustles to create that long-term uh, income that you're, you know, that you can enjoy while you're, you know, floating into retirement. Because, I mean, I, I learned that, you know what, I think a lot of people think retirement is just sitting there and doing nothing, not working, no career, but, you know, what's going to happen to your mind? I mean, for me, I I started to realize it's like, hey, I need to, uh, you know, I need to do something. I'm going to be somebody that's not going to be, you know, fishing or sitting on the beach all day long. I still need to exercise my mind and, you know, a career is part of that. It might not be a 40-hour-a-week career, but it's still something that, you know, generates generates income. There's a return on it, but I can choose what, what that it's going to be. Yeah, I feel like I feel like one thing to keep in mind is as we get older and maybe the pressure to provide starts to wane and we start to get a little bit more able to do things because we want to do them versus do things because we have to do them. There is that possibility to develop um, that interest in the same thing that you've done your whole life, but now you're doing it because you want to. Versus yeah. doing it because you have to. Yeah. Right? Speaking from experience, I mean, that risk is, Lord, I mean, I got three kids that all of a sudden are, they're adults now. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can take a little more of a risk and, you know, just leave my industry. And another thing to think about when you guys are thinking about side hustles is if you are able to, and this, this isn't a, this isn't a concrete rule, but it's just one of those like asterisks on the end of a side hustle. If you are able to create something that you can create systems for and then scale, the profitability towards this business is much more advantageous in the long run if you are not the person that has to do every single thing, right? Like if you are, mm-hmm. if you start a side hustle and that side hustle is, you know, uh, um, let's say public speaking, right? Um, if you are the product, you are always having to go do the thing versus that same business model, but with other people in the driver's seat, other people being the product and you being the backbone that has built the systems for these people to become successful speakers, then you all of a sudden are not the product. You don't have to be at every seminar. Or if you're a chiropractor, an eye doctor, a, you know, a, a house washer, right? Pressure washing houses. Mm -hmm. Like if you build the systems to where you own the business and you manage the business, but you are not the actual product that becomes scalable and you are able to do the things that you enjoy doing. If you enjoy the marketing of the business or you enjoy the talking to the people or you enjoy the, you know, customer, customer building, customer retention, or maybe you actually enjoy the, the pressure washing, right? Maybe you love throwing headphones in and just pressure washing houses and decks then you are able to put all of the stuff that you don't enjoy on Mm -hmm. someone else's plate and scale the business. Yeah, no, definitely agree. I mean, it's, but always have a plan. You know, that's that's so many things I run into with people that want to start side hustles or, you know, small businesses that they don't have a plan and you got to have a business plan. It's like everything in life, right? The six P's, you know, proper planning prevents piss poor performance. (laughs) So, 
you know, have a business plan, you know, like to split it in three, right? I mean, you're going to, number one, you have to create a, a brand. And then two is, is what is your revenue generating business? What, what is the, the nuts and bolts when you're working in the business versus on the business? What's, what's creating that wealth? And then number three is what we were talking about just now is systems and workflows. How is that going to run? You know, how, how are the procedures going to be there so that you can scale this so that you can expand, hire more people, build more franchises? Who knows what that is, but you got to have that plan put together and you're going to need it anyway if you're going to want business funding for it. So it's, uh, it's all in the planning. A lot of people here have, uh, have this next issue and it's the lack of self-understanding. And I don't remember, did we talk about that? Japanese circle drawing that I that I came across where it was like things you're good at things you enjoy no, doing talk about that did we talk about that nope okay so I, I have no idea what the name of this thing is but it's this it's this process that that they go through um, and anybody can do it it's literally three circles filled with um, tasks or traits and it's one circle is things that you enjoy doing and then another circle is things that you're good at, because a lot of times those are not the same. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third circle is things that you can make money doing. And then where those three circles diverge, the, 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 the items or the traits or the tasks that are, that are in all three of those circles, those are the things that you should be investing yourself into. And I, and I thought that was really interesting. And a lot of people have not even taken the time to understand who they are to know that this is the angle they should be trying to look down. And it doesn't mean that if you like working on cars, then being a fucking mechanic is what you need to do. All it means is that that is a industry or a direction that you should start to explore. Right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I know which one uh, you're talking about and I don't want to butcher the pronunciation. It's, uh, it's Ikigai. 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 Got it. So it's just a concept could that, you, you know, combines Iki, which means life. Could right? you spell that so they, they can Google it? Because yeah. let's face it, we're not, there is no visual that comes along with listening to a podcast. Iki guy is spelled uh, I-K-I-G-A-I. So Japanese, Iki means life. Guy means worth, benefit, or value, right? Okay. So it's the four circles. Oh, it's four. Hold on. I fucked that up. What's the fourth one? So what you love, what you are good at, what the world needs, oh, yeah. and what you can be paid for, which is the return. So, yeah, another one that, um, like, hey, if you ever want me to come and do business planning, I'm doing that right now for, for somebody. But uh, um, there's also another thing called what's a SWOT analysis. So it's not just about the, the self, but it brings people together that want to start a business. You have to do what's called a SWOT. And that's, that's also Japanese. That's in the lean process. It's Isn't a, that just strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? And threats? Yep. That because, doesn't sound Japanese to me. Uh, it actually uh, derives from the lean. So <laughs> All right, fair. So SWOT analysis, what it does is you gather all the data, um, in those categories and from those categories you start building your business plan based on that interesting i've never used that when building a business plan yeah. i guess it works when you're when you're trying to build a multi-person business plan which yeah that's usually like a three-day process you do a swat in the first day um talk about goals and targets first day also and then it takes another two days to just build the plan and you got you know this is like for global companies Gotcha. Sitting in a room and you got everybody trying to put them in the same, you know, everybody pointing in the same direction. Yeah, and that makes sense too, right? W you know, whip the horses that are good at, at the specific task, you know, put the people, put the people that are great at numbers in the numbers corners and put the people that are great at dealing with people in the people corner. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So put some accountability in your business and put some accountability in yourself. And that goes back to uh, the lack of self-understanding be a problem um another issue people have is lack is uh social comparison they're doing a job because it makes them look cooler amongst their friends versus like shit that they actually um should be doing what's a cool job 
Uh, well, what, what did you say? What's a cool job? What's a cool job? I don't know. Gynecologist of the stars. <laughs> I don't. I don't fucking know. I can't think of anything. <laughs> but um, is a gynecologist a cool job? I don't know. I mean, I feel like a gynecologist. Yeah, talk one to of, one. I feel like a gynecologist is one of those jobs. Like, it can be good, but it can be also really, really nasty. Right? Yeah. Like, do we know they're, any? They're not all tens. Yeah, I don't know a single gynecologist. No. You know, that would be one interview. That would be interesting. Uh, for good reason, I've never had to go to one. So, <laughs> hope that. I think I I passed out in one's office one time, but that's a whole other story. Um, another another thing is 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 making sure that you are not um judging yourself by the social acceptance or the validation of your job because there's a lot of jobs that are great jobs and they're needed um and they are they're they're just not thought of as like glorious jobs or people don't understand the amount of money that you can make doing a specific job right like i think of um construction workers um you know pipe fitters stuff like that like people see this and they're like oh it's just a he's just a blue collared grunt worker right like our current um our current union incomes for a pipe fitter in Dane County is like 130 to $150,000 overall compensation package once you become a journeyman. Like people see that and they're like, "Oh, this fucking this, this construction worker grunt." Oh, yeah, this construction worker grunt is making more money than you and your wife together. Yeah. You know. I think there's a lot of fulfillment in those jobs from, you know, the people I talk to because you get to, you know, see the hands of your labor. You know, you drive past and it's like, hey, I was involved in building that. Yeah, I think, you know, I got a, I got a few buddies that are in the trades and it, it, there's some jobs that are great and they work well like that. And then there's some jobs that are just, they just don't, they're just, you're just, you're doing the same thing over and over and over. And all you're doing is, you know, putting new piping in an old building and you are not necessarily seeing the fact that you're running hundreds of yards of pipe. You're just, you're only seeing the connection on one end over and over and over and over. And, and that can be tedious, right? But yeah. like all jobs, they're, they're paying you because people don't want to do it for free. Let's face it. Yeah. You know, um, conformity, we kind of, we covered a lot of that in this one. Um, parental or family expectations. There's a lot of people that, um, you know, their, their parents paid for them to go to college and get a specific degree or their parents expected them to go do this thing. You know, this one isn't as prevalent in, um, multi-generational American families as it is a lot of Asian families, Indian families, like, you know, to tell your parents that you do not want to go to medical school halfway through medical school is harder than, you know, coming out as gay for some of these, for some of these cultures. Oh, and yeah. that's sad, man. Um, educational investment, you know, you put too much money into your education. Why, how could you walk away from this specific career? Uh, low self-esteem. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, overcoming social or cultural barriers. That one is, that one's a little different. You know, if that one's less, you know, less, we don't, we don't understand that as much as, you know, an African-American woman or a Hispanic, you know, male trying to make it into a specific, uh, career choice. But how do you recognize the issues? This is, this one is like a lot of things like you are probably ignoring your internal voice that is already telling you that this is a problem. So start to listen, start to self-reflect start to really dig into your passions. The I, I geeky, is that close? Iki guy. Iki guy. The, the Iki guy um, flow chart. Start to analyze what your motivations are. Um, what, just keep a journal. Keep a journal for a week on, maybe put a reminder in your phone like every three hours to go off during your awake hours and just write down like how you feel about the last three hours. And when you go back and look at that journal, you're going to see like there's certain parts of your job or certain parts of your day or certain things that you've done where you feel really, really good about it. And it may not even click. But like I know for me, it took years of people coming up to me and asking me about, um, you know, a specific thing. Like, could you 
how do you think I should go about doing this thing? How do you think, what do you think I should do with my diet? What do you think I should do with my workout? What do you think I should do with my relationship? Right. And it took me years to figure out that I love, I love doing that. I love just helping people find their truth. And that's a big draw for me. But I didn't know that. And it always has been when you look back at it, but I didn't know that. Um, assess your job satisfaction. Are you, do you feel like what you're doing is a good use of your time? And do you feel like you're fairly compensated? And that one, that one's a little bit of a gut check. Cause a lot of people think that they should make more money, but don't realize that they don't bring a lot to the table. How many people like that, you know? Yeah, I think way too many. You know, I, I think people have to also, this goes back to just getting squared away. You got to have an attitude of gratitude because when you have that, you realize you have a job at this point. It may not be the job that you want to be in, but you need to have the attitude of gratitude to be the best person. If you're the, you know, the, uh, I don't know what I was, the mop dude. If you're the dude mopping floors all day, then be the best guy at what you're doing be the best floor mopper and it'll bring some satisfaction but and but then it'll also open the doors to you know upper management saying wow that guy's pretty good at that and expressing that hey you're interested in doing more or if you're just absolutely not happy with that still be the best floor mopper and look for other opportunities when you're you know off of work yeah what's what's the saying how you do one thing is how you do all things yeah it's it's all in the little things and even, you know, being in leadership, you know, that's the way that, you know, we look at it is, okay, how does, wow, this person's very good at what they do. And, you know, they're so good with the details. What if we give them a little more responsibility? And that's how, you know, that's how I look at employees. I think that's how a lot of leaders, you know, tend to look at, you know, employees. I mean, you're going to get your leaders that are afraid to move people up. And that's their own insecurities. Well, and there's an interesting thing, interesting thing that happens with um, with leadership, especially in sales industries, where you take a great salesman and you put him in a leadership role and he is no longer selling, he's managing. And those are not the same traits at all. So he may be great at selling a specific product or item or service, but He's no longer selling those products and items and service. He's managing people that are supposed to be selling those products and items and services. And the traits that made him a great salesman may not make him a great manager. <laughs> yes. Nine times out of 10 in my experience is that you never run a sales team with a sales guy. Right? Generally, yeah, you need to have somebody a little more operational to keep the temperaments down and keep everybody focused. Or at least someone that looks at sales as a uh, a task, yep. right? Because it's a, it's a task or a trait or a, a set of values that you can teach someone. Yeah. And you're just good at the, that set of values, but that's not who you are. Have you heard of the DIS test? The DIS test? No, I haven't heard of that. So DIS test um, is something they, uh, they do uh, with a lot of uh, big companies when you're Heading into leadership, a lot of times they take a disc test to find out what kind of person that you are. So if you really, if you did an evaluation of like salespeople, you're really, really good salespeople are what's called I or, you know, influential. And they'll score very high on that. The problem is you don't want an I managing a bunch of I's. You have to have what's called a D. And D is uh, is more of a, the dominant or the A type trait, right? So... Having a great person to lead a sales team is generally a DI. And that's usually how that scores out. That makes so, sense. But yeah, look up the disc test. It's it's a really good tool. Um, how do you improve the situation? Uh start to set goals. Seek guidance, man. If I can't tell you how many people that you can talk to in your day that are just going to help you. Um, because they, they see you, they know you, they, they enjoy you as a human being. And it doesn't mean that they're going to, it doesn't mean they're going to give you a job. It doesn't mean that they're going to tell you the direction to go, but it could be as simple as like asking your, your, you know, the, the most influential person in your, 
in your youth, right? Let's say it's your mm-hmm. father. Let's say it's your uncle. Let's say it's your pastor. Like, hey, when you knew me when I was a kid, did you did you know what I should be doing? Most of the time, they know. I know. I have a ten year old, and I can tell you what she should be doing. I have a I have a nineteen year old, and I should and I can tell you what she should be doing. Um, I can't tell you know them that because they need to find that. I can steer them when they're ready to listen, but just telling them now at this point without any sort of interest from their part is just talking at them, not talking to them. Yeah. But when you, when you can, when you understand humans and you, when you see somebody and you really get to know who they are, you know what they should be doing approximately, not exactly, but you know what they should be looking into. You know what they're, what they're gifted at and and what brings smiles to their faces. Yeah. And, And find a good mentor. Yes. You know, I've had some really great, corporate mentors through, through my career. And, you know, most of them are actually all of them are retired now and they just, you know, provided amazing direction. You know, they see things that you don't see in you. And usually I think all the advice I gotten is, uh, you know, you have to play the long game, you know, and you have to, you know, going back to, where's that though on the self-understanding, you really have to work on that. So it just goes back to our podcast, right? Getting squared away. You really have to work on that and start understanding yourself and then realize that you have to set, like you said, set goals and a long-term plan because you're not, there's people, there's people that are unhappy and they just keep jumping from job to job, to job to job because they don't really have any goals or plans. They just are going by their feelings. Oh, I don't like doing this. Well, okay, well, if you keep jumping job to job, you're never going to gain any traction in your career. Well, it's kind of like dating, right? Like you can go into dating as um, I'm going to I'm going to go on dates with 100 people and see um, which one I like best. Right. Or you can go into that knowing what you love to do and finding someone who loves the same things that you love or at least similar things that you love so that you have a lot in common. Right. But if you don't know who you are and you don't know what you love to do and you don't know what you should be doing um, with your time. Right. Then, yeah. then how do you ever know? You're, you're literally just, you're throwing darts with, with your eyes closed and you might hit something. You could accidentally fall into a career. That's a great career for you. Yeah. But the likelihood of that is a lot less than if you went into it with some goals and some understanding of who you are. Yeah. And, in, in relationships, you know, going, going back to that, it's, it goes back to the inner circle, you know, even whether it's dating or whether it's who you want to put in your inner circle and it's, it's funny because I was just telling my son this uh, yesterday morning and it was like, you have to surround yourself with people that have, that are going down the same path. You know, they may not have the exact same career, but they have the same type of goal aspirations, right? So, you know, surrounding people with mentors, friends, your dating relationships, you know, make sure that, yeah, you understand where you're going because you all have to be running in the same direction to get there. Yeah. And and the biggest thing with, with the people that you surround yourself with is it, everyone, a lot of people have a lot of different positive traits and you're going to get something positive from a lot of different people. But what you need to make sure that you do not have is a lot of people with specific negative traits, right? Like if you have Make sure that you don't have people in your life that are always, that all they do is, well, maybe not make sure, because I don't want to, I'm not sitting here telling you to like dump all your friends, but like, <laughs> Jolly way. but, but if you have, if you have, you know, specific friends that all they want to do is call you to go get fucked up or all they want to do is call you to bitch about uh, people in their lives. Right. And they're not adding any value. All they're doing is being negative, whether it be. Um, negative influence or just negative energy. Um, that I think is more detrimental than organizing your people around you around specific positive traits that you're looking for. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's um, you know, I always tell people your career is like a is like a marathon, right? You're running towards the finish line, and there's going to be people in your life that are always going to be distracted or want you to, Hey, come off the road here and let's just sit here at this, uh, this coffee shop or let's, you know, do this activity or they always, the people that always need to be distracted by something, 
will try to distract you and pull you off that race. And guess what? You're never going to attain, you're either going to slow you down or you'll never attain your goal by surrounding yourself with those people, unfortunately. I love that idea, but I also challenge that idea to try to think of your career as less of a race. And this is a, this is a bit of a challenge to you, but it's also a bit of a challenge to me and every other human being. Um, less of a race and more, more of, a of a journey. Yeah. Right. Like, like Sisyphus, the myth, of, the myth of Sisyphus. And every Tuesday morning we do these Sisyphus, Sisyphean workouts. If you guys want to start joining in on them, we will, uh, I'll tell, I'll tell you about them and you can, you can see if you like them. But the idea of Sisyphus is Sisyphus, Sisyphus cheated death twice. So as a punishment for cheating death twice, he was um, he was destined to push a boulder up a hill for all of eternity. The trick here is right no matter how close he gets, right when he gets to the top, the boulder goes right back to the bottom. So he is never able to complete his task. So the idea of Sisyphus and the myth of Sisyphus is learning to find the enjoyment, the gratitude, no, not the gratitude, the fulfillment in the task rather than the outcome. Are you happy with the effort that you put in? Then the outcome is sometimes going to be good, but sometimes going to be bad. But if you are proud of the effort that you put in, then you will sleep good at night. And that is the idea of the journey versus the race. Yeah, I think that's where appreciating the hills that you overcome in the marathon versus, you know, always focused on just the goal, the finish line. That's fair. Because you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to bump into a lot of hills. There's going to be a lot of times where you fail. And you have to be willing to do that. A lot of people never start that journey because they're just afraid afraid of failure. Yeah. And that one, that, that one's an interesting one, right? Because there is a real risk of failure. And when it comes to a single, you know, a single man by yourself, fuck man, you know, you can go, you can go do anything and you can eat, right? Yeah. Like if you didn't have, if you didn't have kids to take care of, um, if you didn't have a, a spouse to keep health insurance for, you know that like if I took a jump today and I invested everything I had into this specific business and this fucker flopped, right? I know I can go do anything and pay for myself to eat. Yep. But is that risk all of a sudden becomes much more uh, exacerbated or much more extreme of a risk when you are not only taking a risk with your own life and your own happiness and your own security, but you're taking a risk with multiple people's security and multiple people's life. And that's, that's part of the pain of being a man, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very calculated. I mean, when I switch over industries, I still have a, a young one at home yet. And at that time I had another one still in college. So, but it had to be really calculated. I'm like, well, I'm leaving this to get here. What's the upside? What's the risk? Am I willing to take that? And bottom line, the last option is, okay, well, if it doesn't work out, then job market is, you know, fairly open. And, you know, whether I got to take one or two jobs or whatever, it'll make it happen. Or you just lunge yourself into a small business, which is kind of rough if you want insurance and everything else. So, yeah, I don't. Unless you are, and, and I've done this, right? I've, I've started, been successful and closed multiple small businesses. Um, and unless it's something that you are passionate about or you, you truly enjoy, then you need to think about it as a scalable um, business that you can either sell or start to hire people to do jobs. Because I promise you, that if you are starting a small business, you know, let's say DJing weddings and you are not in love with the fact that you're, you're not in love with DJing a wedding, right? If it's not the mm -hmm. funnest fucking thing you ever do, you will lose interest. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what that is. It doesn't matter if that's, you know, trimming trees. It doesn't matter if that is painting houses. It doesn't matter if that is 
um, you know, cracking backs. It doesn't matter what that is. If you are not completely in love with that task, then your goals do not need to be building that for you to be doing more of it. Your goals need to be building it up to either sell it or building it up to scale to the point that someone else is doing the actual job and you are running the business. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think we covered most of how to improve the situation. Education and training. The, re- the reality is that if you are not happy with your current career uh, path, not necessarily the, 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 the industry that you're in, but you are not, you're not happy with the direction you're going, it's likely that you are going to need some certification, some education, some training to get to whatever that next thing is that you want to do. Uh, embrace resilience. Yeah, shit's going to suck. Um, those L's, we learn from those L's. And if we never get those L's, if we never get those losses, then we never learn. And then trust your instincts. Your instincts and your intuition are pretty, pretty well on. You, we, most of us know what we should be doing. We don't always follow it, but we know. Um, I don't think that we will get into relationships today because we're already at 45 minutes. Um, so is there anything else that you want to add or anything you want to talk about? I know you, you, uh, you, we talked about your, your flannels last week and I know you mentioned that you, you, uh, Oh, give some props to, uh, tailored athlete. So, uh, after we talked about the, uh, was it the, uh, flannels? Yeah. We talked flannel about style. athletic fit flannel shirts. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, tailored athlete and, uh, yeah, all props to them. They sent out a, a, athlete fit flannel and a corduroy um button down which awesome nice thickness got to give them some props they did a lot of my dress shirts a couple of years ago and it's just yeah something where it doesn't look like you're parachuting into the war and uh fits nice and you can move your shoulders without ripping anything so big props look them up tailored athlete good stuff what else what else we got going on? Let's let's bring this back up to the uh back up to the entertainment factor and less of the uh the entertainment less factor. of the brain box. <clears throat> well it's way too much Taylor Swift going on right now. Is that a thing that's happening right now? Oh my goodness. I don't know if that's just a massive distraction. Now you got Taylor Swift dating uh Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs and that seems to like have merged or created some mega audience. Um, you got the football fans now mixed with the Swifties and it's just, I think it just had enough. I had no idea that the Taylor Swift phenomenon was as intense as it is. Yeah. Why? Um, what is going on? Is the music that good? I don't, she's not like, you know, stunning. So I don't think that it really has to do with the quality of the music. Yes, the music is probably fine quality, but I think what it is is she's speaking to a generation. She's speaking to an audience and she's speaking their language. Right? Yeah, what is that? <clears throat> I don't know the music, so I guess yeah, I don't know. I don't really either. So we're both talking it's out not of like it. an Oliver Anthony we're, word. We're both talking out of but maybe it is. Maybe it is like Oliver Anthony to us, but to teenage girls and young young women. Yeah, Does that I'd make to, sense? I'd have to listen to the music to understand what message she's bringing. I mean, there ha- there has to be something there. This doesn't you don't just manufacture this type of following, right? Yeah, like it's there, it's connecting, and there's also the thing that happens with like I know um, the 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 reason I found out about it even being like a fucking as big of a thing as it is is our uh, friend of ours daughter is a Swifty, a crazy Swifty. And I'm talking to her mom about why. And it's, and it's because, um, one of her friends is right. And so all of a sudden she just bought into it hook, line and sinker because of her friend. And it's the same thing that happens with, with fashion trends, right? You, you jump onto a trend to become part of a group. And it's that tribal mentality of when you are part of something, you are on a team, you are a bigger than than the rest you have people on your side and maybe that has a little bit to do with something of it it's kind of like a cult i mean to be fair <laughs> the yeah taylor swift cult you're not wrong i don't think but i don't i don't know 
um, who's the fucking football player she's dating? I, I am so I know uh, nothing well, about pop because, culture. Because my son is a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Um, uh, Travis Kelsey is the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, but he's he's kind of uh, what do you call it, bombastic. So he's had uh, I think his own you know, dating Kelsey or something. Inflammatory. Kelsey. He's inflammatory. Is that the word? I don't know. Like, he's out there. He puts himself out there, and I think because of him putting himself out there, that's how all this, the relationship with Taylor Swift started out. So it's just... Uh, do you think it's real, or do you think it's manufactured for both of their brands? That, that's been put out there. So I, I honestly, I would not even have a good assumption. All I know is that you're if you're watching the football game, which, unfortunately, I mean, I'm going to the football game with my son because I promised him I'm taking him to a Chiefs game. Well, now you got half the focus. Is that this weekend? No, that's uh, December 5th, Okay, I believe, up in Lambeau. Um, but every game that they have right now, it's like he'll make a reception, and where do they pan the camera to? The box where Taylor Swift is. So it's turned into this, like, you know, Taylor Swift slash NFL, and I think a lot of your NFL fans – the 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 true football fans are getting a little uh, irritated. I mean, I could see this being manufactured by the people at hand or at in charge to try to expand the game into women, to try to build the audience with women to get girls interested. Yeah, could be. I don't know. That's uh, I don't know. I mean, we we are so. We're so far into social development or social manufacturing or social engineering that I think a lot of us don't really understand. And I don't necessarily know how much of it is necessarily on purpose and how much of it is just a byproduct of marketing. Yeah. But I mean, I could easily see that being on the mind of someone who's like, how do we expand? the NFL. Yeah. Well, we've got the certain amount of guys that we're going to have, we have. Well, the whole we're missing 50% of the audience. It's all women. Well, yeah, but we have the, you know, we have the women who are interested because of their men. Well, yeah, but we have them already. How do we get women interested for them for themselves? And I could see that as an actual as an actual engineered ploy to bring in a female fans. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that definitely could be, but I venture together I, I don't follow it enough to soap opera to understand how they met and all that so i guess we'd have to unfortunately dig into that lump of smelly shit to, to figure that out i mean i start with like challenging people to live their own lives and enjoy their own things versus you know using their own free time to watch other people do things that they enjoy but that's just me yeah oh definitely uh what else is cooking here I don't know. Nothing else on the political. We have a new speaker. Yeah. What do you think about him? Uh, I mean, I'm surprised. I thought they were going to get Jim Jordans in there, but um, this guy. Well, I mean, they're saying, oh, he's a January 6th dude. So I don't know. Aside from all the noise, he seems like, you know, pretty solid dude. What do you think? Um, From what I've seen, he seems to be. Mike Johnson, right? Yeah. He seems to have a head on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. He seems to somewhat think for himself. I haven't seen enough history of that to say like, to, to, to like put my foot behind him, Right. Or my name yeah. on his list. But so far I'm not turned off that that might be the best I can say. Yeah. I mean, you know, the people that are in the far left are going completely crazy. So to me, that's like, Oh, well, this guy must be decent then. <laughs> what did your uh, did have you heard anything from from your guys who are up on the hill? On uh, their own little group was that Eli? No, Eli is one of them. So yeah. it's uh, I mean the I think they're supportive of uh of Mike Johnson. Like I said, I was surprised. I thought Jim Jordan's would be the one, but um, you know Mike Johnson's in the same vein. Just I think he's very well spoken, articulate. I don't know who funds him you know that's something i think everybody has to ask every time you look at somebody that's on the hill so um but just like you it's like he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders so 
Yeah. Other than that, I haven't seen a damn thing this week. I've been I've had my head in the sand pretty much just trying to trying to keep up. That this will be my next my next three months will yeah. be just trying to keep up with life because I mean realistically, you know, forty percent of my income, forty five percent of my income comes in the last three months of the year. So oh, I suppose yeah. So you know, for me, it's just it's just trying to trying to stay alive, trying to keep my sleep up, trying to stay in the gym, trying not to eat like a complete asshole, even though this last week wasn't the best. Um, and then just trying to spend some time with my family, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd probably say the one highlight this week, it's a weird highlight that I'll give you guys is, uh, I I like watching reels. There's like a handful of, of dudes that I follow. One dude's like Travis doodles. Another guy is Jimmy darts. Um, one of these guys is, uh, Big Dawes. I don't know if you've ever seen a Big Dawes uh, reel. But all these guys have the same thing where they go out and they're like, you know, they give people money or they're helping people out. And this Big Dawes dude is, uh, he's not more of the money giver, but he's um, always doing something weird. And in this one reel, actually it's a series of reels where he throws a box up in the air, right? He goes on on a college campus. And there's something in the box, like an iPad or a phone or AirPods or whatever. And he just throws this big brown box in the air, and whoever catches it gets to keep it, right? And I would say 90-plus percent of the kids don't catch it. And the reason why is because they all have a phone in their hand that they won't let go. That's funny. That makes sense, though. And it's... it. I noticed that and it's like, man, are, are we that tied to the phone? And then I had to look at myself as like, I hope I don't do that. As you're, as you're watching it on your phone. As I'm watching it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I hope it, it's like, yeah, when I'm walking places that that's not, I'm not a dude that has to walk around and have to have my phone on me or walking through a parking lot looking down. I mean, I've seen so many people this week that are, you know, sitting at four way stops or driving, looking at their phone. I'm like, holy crap. Have we become that tied to them? Do you look at your screen time at the end of the week? Uh, it gives me a report. <clears throat> okay. iPhone does. So it's always cool when it says your screen time is down 23%. So does it in that report, does it actually tell you like how many, does it say down 29% to whatever the number is? Or does it just say down 29%? Yeah, down 29 from, you know, last week was this. And then you had X amount of hours in, in this program or whatever. So. Okay. Yep. I think that's I think that's one of the most underrated uh, tools used today is uh, screen time tools. Yeah, because um, I don't know if you guys know, but whenever something gets measured, it usually gets improved. That's that's how that's how we work as human beings. Once you become aware of what you're doing, you are then more conscious of it. And when you're more conscious of it, you make better choices versus when you are being, um, you know, numb to it or mindless to it. So just the fact that you know, Apple does that, or I, I might be able to turn that on on my Android. I don't know if I can. I just check it. I just look at it. Yeah. Um, but when you, you know, when your screen time is at an average of three hours per day, but you're only awake, you know, 15 hours a day, 16 hours a day, and you're working eight of those hours, like that's pretty fucking, that's, that's pretty fucking underwhelming, you know, yeah. like that's, that's pretty sketchy. So if you start to think about the amount of actual free time that you have versus the amount of time that you are spending looking at your device and you're like, Oh, well, what was I doing on my device? That one, that's when it really starts to get scary. You know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. What was I actually spending my time on? Oof. Ouch. You know, for me, like I read a lot on my phone. Well, not, not a lot, but I'll read like scientific articles on my phone and I'm like, I'm a pretty smart guy, but a lot of those are so, um, they're so chewy. They're so full of data that it, t- I have to reread paragraphs two or three times to get what the paragraph is actually trying to say. So sometimes it's, you know, 45 minutes on, you know, the browser that I am spending reason reading an article. Well, I know that if I'm spending that much time in my browser, that's likely what it is. Cause yeah. I don't really do anything else in my browser other than just look something up. Right. Like, yeah. because I, I, like I told you, I had to take YouTube off my phone because of the fucking shorts. Cause I knew like I, I was catching myself spending too much time watching stupid YouTube shorts. So I deleted the YouTube <laughs> app 
So like now when I need to look up a YouTube video, how to fix something or how to do something like last night, I was trying to set up a crimp die for, uh, for six, five Creedmoor. Cause I got these new Lehigh defense. If you guys, if any of you guys out there reload Lehigh defense makes these amazing fracturing rounds and these, uh, ex- subsonic expanding rounds. I use those for my 300 blackout and I use the fracturing rounds for my, um, six, five Creedmoor for deer. And these things are awesome. I shot them into ballistics gel and they just, they explode into little tiny grenades when they hit. It's the coolest fucking thing. And the subsonic um, expanding rounds at 900 foot per second turned into these flower petals of death. And, um, but I was trying to figure out how to set the crimp so that it crimps right in the perfect spot on these, on these bullets. So I literally had to open my fucking browser, go to YouTube and type in what I wanted to look for versus just opening the YouTube app. So but I know that if I'm, I know that if I'm wasting my time, if I just leave it on my phone, I'm not going to fix the problem. So I have to delete it. Oh, right? well, I mean, I, you know, I use this nice little brick here to, it's kind of like the media center. So, you know, as a single dad, a lot of times I'm doing stuff around the yard or whatever. So usually I got some either podcast on or, you know, some independent news thing going while I'm working. They have some background noise. Yeah. Otherwise, when my son's not here, it's a pretty darn quiet place. Yeah, I could see that. All right, we got we, that's that's our hour for today. You know, we probably have one more episode going down the relationship and uh, religion angle for this "think for yourself" segment. But um, if you guys sick or sick of it, just tell me, call me up, email me, tell me I'm a dipshit and I need to talk about funner stuff. Or if you enjoy it, then you know whatever. Just tell your friends. Tell five friends. Yeah, tell them today you learn what ikigai is. There you go. Get your Japanese up. Not I like guys. Ikigai. It's different. Ikigai. All right. Peace. Peace out. Peace out.